Lord, the great truth that we're justified, amen? If you're saved and if you're born again, then uh, God looks at you as, as though you are his child and you have an absolutely clean slate. Praise the Lord for that. I don't know about you, but that blesses me. I'm encouraged by that and I'm strengthened by that uh, to know that, hey, um, God washed all our sins away. What a blessing. And maybe you're here and you're like, well, I'm not for sure about that. And uh, maybe you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. Listen, you can do that today uh, by simply calling on him and asking him to save you. And he will do that. And then he will look at you and he'll say, you're justified. Um, and that's just as though you have never sinned. I'm not preaching on that this morning, uh, but, uh, but I could. Boy, that's a, a great topic. And uh, what a blessing. Uh, turn with you, me, if you would, in your Bibles to Luke chapter number 7. Luke chapter number 7. And as you're turning to the Gospel of Luke chapter number 7, uh, I want to mention, or I want to look at, uh, this passage rather is mentioned uh, as having, uh, this fellow was mentioned as having great faith. And, uh, and as I was looking through the Bible and studying this idea of faith and, and, uh, and looking at that, this passage really stands out because uh, in all the passages of the Bible where faith is used and many times as Jesus refers to the different people that he's talking with and working with, uh, most of them uh, are not labeled as having great faith. Matter of fact, you often see the phrase little faith. Uh, and that's kind of amazing to me. And then you see some that have strong faith. And uh, there's only one other time in all of the scripture that uh, the idea of use of having great faith is used. And that's with a lady. And, uh, and she asked the Lord uh, for salvation. And, and, uh, and they had a little bit of a dialogue there. And, and she was then saved. And God said, or Jesus rather said, that she had uh, great faith as well. But other than her and this, this man, uh, I don't know of another place uh, that it is mentioned as, as somebody having great faith. And uh, Luke chapter number 7, and we'll look at this passage. Verse number 1, the Bible says this, Now when he had ended all his sayings and the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. And I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel." And they that were sent returning to the house found the servant 
whole that had been sick. Let's stop there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We, we thank you for the word of God that we can study. God, that we can take and we can apply to our lives and we can look at. And God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. I pray, Father, that you would touch hearts as only you can. And God, as we look at this great faith, God, may we replicate some of the things that we can see in this man's life, Father, that I believe were leading up to his great faith. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart as only you can. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. So we look at verse number 9 and, and that text, those words that Jesus spoke, he said, as Jesus turned to the crowd, he said this, he said, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith no, not in Israel. That stood out to me. Matter of fact, that stands out to me that Jesus Christ himself would turn to a crowd of people and tell them that, hey, this man has great faith. And I think, boy, if that guy has great faith, we need to learn something from him. Uh, and looking at that and, and saying, boy I, I wish, uh, I, boy, I wish I have the faith that that man has. And I want to have the faith that that man has. Because Jesus Christ himself said that there was, uh, that, that man had great faith. And there's, a, there's a sign off of Route 30 in Dalton that says, Faith, not fear. And I read that sign, and as I've gone by there a few times, there's no doubt that uh, in my mind that, uh, boy, we need greater faith today. There's no doubt about it. And uh, I'll say this, that uh, I really believe uh, much of our media dominates and, and tries even to manipulate many people by fear. And I'll just say this, that fear and faith cannot occupy the same space. It's not possible. It's like light and darkness. They, they cannot occupy and fill the same space. It's like oil and water. They just simply do not mix. And, uh, and I want us to increase our faith. I want our faith to grow. There's certainly different levels of faith uh, throughout Scripture many times. Uh, matter of fact, I was kind of amazed as I was looking up this idea of faith and, and throughout the Bible as I read through it and, and uh, looking at all the verses, many, many times Jesus looked at His disciples or would turn to His disciples and He says this, He says, how is it that ye have little faith? And I thought, these are His disciples. These are the ones that are following the Lord Jesus Christ. But then in this passage, as Jesus turns to this, uh, this great centurion man, uh, and He says, I have not found gr so great a faith, no, not in all of Israel. Probably, if I were his disciple, I'd be maybe a little bit upset at that. And say, God, I'm, I left everything and I'm following you and, and this guy has greater faith than me. But may we not be offended by the fact that this man had great faith, but may we be inspired and say, may we be challenged and say, I want the faith that this man had in his, in his life. And 
Uh, listen, we can increase our faith. The Bible says this in Romans 10, 17. It says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's no doubt that this book will help increase our faith. And listen, it's no, uh, no wonder, I guess, that the Bible would say of itself in Psalm 119, 105, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it illuminates our path and helps us to see better where we are to go. And that would certainly increase and help and strengthen our faith. As I read this story in, in Luke chapter number 7, it's quite a phenomenal story. And let me just by way of introduction give you a little bit about this. Where did this take place? Uh, well, you see there in verse number 1, it says, Now when he had ended all these sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And this place was really, it was a place that Jesus had done many miracles there in, in Capernaum. Matter of fact, the Bible says that later it was destroyed because of, uh, he goes on in another passage, and he says, listen, if the works that had been done in, in, in Capernaum had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, it would have lasted to this day. In other words, there was a great amount of miracles and works that Jesus had done in Capernaum. But oddly enough, to this day, Capernaum is destroyed and there's great debate about where exactly Capernaum was in Bible times. I didn't spend the time to read all about it, but I, I did read several different opinions and, and I thought, man, if, if those guys can't figure it out, then I certainly probably uh, can't. I'm no, I'm no archaeologist and I'm not heading over there to dig and find it, uh, but I'm just saying uh, they don't even know for sure where it's at today. And as I thought about that, I thought, that's incredible to me because a place where God had done many mighty works is no guarantee that it will last and not be wiped off the face of the earth. That, that really amazes me, to be honest with you. And, uh, and I hope that, uh, that, that God would continue to work, but uh, it's just simply not guaranteed. And, and I want to say this as well, uh, that, that you do not need great miracles to have great faith. This guy did not necessarily have great faith because he was in a land where many miracles had been done. Matter of fact, we'll see a little bit differently than that. Uh, but, but I want us to understand that, hey, Capernaum was a place that Jesus did many mighty works. And there were many miracles that were done there. Uh, but that's not necessary for us to have faith. Now, who was this man? We look at... The Bible in verse number 2, and it says, And a certain centurion's servant. Now, a centurion, what's a centurion? Well, a centurion is simply a Roman officer in command of a hundred men. That's what the dictionary would say of it. And certainly the Bible would sustain that with what is given here in this text because uh, he said of himself, listen, I am a man in a position of authority and I have men underneath me and I tell this guy to go and he goes and I tell this guy to come and he comes. And he said that was his whole reasoning saying, listen, I, I don't need Jesus to come to my house. I just need him to give the word because he didn't feel maybe dignified or qualified that Jesus should even enter his house and, 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 and have his presence there. Not only that, but I want you to notice that he was not only a man of, of authority, but he was also a caring man. 
Notice there in verse number 2, and this is just by way of uh, a few of the, the things about him, but he says there in verse number 2, And a certain centurion servant, who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. This man had many servants. Matter of fact, they worked for him, and he could tell them to go and come and do whatever. And, but this particular servant was a servant that was close to this centurion. And so that tells me that this man was not just an austere uh, leader that would send people and, and bring people, but rather a person who cared about those who worked underneath of him. Matter of fact, so much so that the Bible goes on in verse number uh, 5 and 6, and, and he said, well, verse 4 rather. Well, I'll go back to verse 3. I'll find it here. Let's read verse 3. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching him. In other words, this man was also not only to have servants that, that he cared about, but he also had Jewish friends who were elders uh, that, that he cared about as well, and they were his friends. And those were the people, those Jewish elders, that he sent to find Jesus. And the Bible says that they went, and as they went, uh, and they told, they they. They caught up with Jesus and they said, hey, this man is a worthy man. I don't think he told them to tell them that. I think they thought that and thought, listen, this is a good man. That was their perspective. And not only that, but in, in verse number 5, it tells you a little bit about who they were or who, what they thought of them. And, and they, the Jews, the elders, were talking to Jesus and they said this, For he, that would be the centurion man, loveth our nation, that would be the Jewish nation, for he hath built, for, uh, built us a synagogue. Now you're talking about a Roman leader that had taken time out of his schedule to build a, a, a Jewish synagogue for the Jewish people. And the, Jew, the Romans were kind of an austere leadership over top of the Jewish people. And so it was a real act of kindness and compassion on this guy's behalf that he would take time and befriend the Jewish people and then build for them a synagogue as well. And they thought very highly of this man. So he was a very compassionate man as we think about this fellow. And sometimes, in honesty, we have a bad impression of the Roman Empire in Jesus' day, and certainly there's many aspects of it that were very cruel and very harsh, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that every person that was a Roman or a leader in the Romans uh, would be a cruel, uh, austere, harsh person. Matter of fact, this centurion uh, was a kind, compassionate man. Those are just some random ideas and thoughts that we can bring out of our text and find out about this fella and about Capernaum and, and where it was. But I want us to focus this morning on the great faith and what were some of the characteristics of his great faith that he had. And the first thing that I believe that we can see in, verse, in, in our text is that he sees the greatness of God. And he saw Jesus in the greatness of God. You say, well, what does that mean? He, he, he was looking at God and he was looking at Jesus. He's saying, man, uh, God is incredible and he is great. And Jesus is incredible and he is great. Perhaps he had heard of all the, uh, the miracles that had been done. I don't know. Uh, but I do know this. He thought, hey, Jesus is the answer to his sick servant's need. And so he called him. And, uh, and listen, he, he took time to see uh, the, the greatness 
of Jesus Christ. You know, many people don't call out of, on Jesus Christ until there is a need. Uh, and it's kind of funny, but uh, I was thinking about this. You know, a lot of people, when they go to the hospital, man, they're all about praying. You go to the prisons, they're all about praying. You go to their house, eh, they're not home. They won't answer the door. They don't want to see you. They don't want to talk to you. Is that not the way it is? Uh, it seems just like that that's the way it is. But when a need does come and when a need does arise, hey, I mean, people are all ears to hear about Jesus. And, uh, and this centurion, hey, listen, he, he saw that Jesus was available for every need. And not just somebody even as prominent as himself, but he saw the need of his servant and said, hey, uh, there's a fella, Jesus, that can help meet this need and take care of this fella. And so as he sees the greatness of Jesus, he noticed that. And, and listen, he called for Jesus. As I mentioned, it was very probable that he had heard of the miracles. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Mark chapter number 2 and verse number 1, and again, this is talking about Jesus, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. In Mark chapter 2, you'll remember the story uh, that, uh, that Jesus was there, and he was teaching and preaching. And the Bible says that, that uh, all the people came to the house where he was, and there was not even enough room to get in the back door. That's when it was that several of the people had brought a paralytic man and carried him and they could not get in the back door. So they go up to the roof and they open up the roof and they lower him down in front of Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus healed that man there in Capernaum. Now, I don't know, maybe this man had heard of, of the fame of Jesus and the wonders that had been done and, and the wonderful things that were done, but uh, nonetheless, hey, he heard that Jesus uh, was somebody that could meet the needs. And I'm reminded of the verse that we said earlier, uh, now faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And certainly the testimonies of the people of who Jesus was had arrived to the ears of this man. And he was seeing, hey, you know what? This Jesus is no common person. This Jesus is just not an average citizen that lives here. But hey, he is God in the flesh that is walking amongst us. And he's able to heal and he's able to do these things. And he was able to see how great God was truly in his life. And listen, we need to, uh, we need to see... How great God is. If we want to have great faith, you've got to see the goodness of God. You've got to see how great God is. And sometimes that requires getting your eyes off of the world and getting your eyes off of yourself and getting your eyes out of everywhere else and just focusing on Jesus Christ and who He is. Listen, everything, I've, I've said it many times, is bidding for our attention and drawing away from us. And, and listen, we've got to keep focus on the greatness and goodness of who God is. And certainly this centurion was able to see the goodness of God. He had heard about Jesus. He'd heard about the lives that were changed and the miracles that were done. And, and he arrived to the place uh, that, hey, I have just got to call Jesus. And he sent those friends. I, I thought that was interesting. I, I kind of picture that as intercession as they went out to Jesus for their friend. They were calling on Jesus for their friend. What a great uh, illustration of intercession and how we can go to God for other people. But nonetheless, this man's great faith was noted because he saw God and others had gone to God on his, on, on his behalf to try and, and have this servant healed. 
he had arrived to that place that he saw that God was good. Not only that, I want you to see as well, not, the fact that, not just the fact that he saw the greatness of God, but I want you to notice this, his simple belief. So many times we think great faith is something spectacular, something marvelous. We would say, well, this is a great uh, thing, and, and, uh, and this, is, this is great faith. But Jesus commended this man, a centurion in Capernaum, uh, and said, hey, this man hath great faith. And listen, it was no great display. There was no fireworks. There was no great miracle. It was not a raising of the dead. It was not probably one of the most spectacular miracles that Jesus did. By all accounts, we understand that Jesus didn't even go in see the man but yet it was that simple childlike faith that Jesus praised and said that is great faith we might be tempted to think well you know when the disciples were in the boat and they called on Jesus and said listen uh, there's a storm and we're going to die and Jesus calmed the storm that that would be great faith but in all reality Jesus reprimanded his disciples and said Oh, ye of little faith. It was not a great show. It was not a great display. It was not anything attractive or anything shiny or anything that stood out, but rather a simple childlike faith that said, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ and I'm going to send these guys. And they went off to find Jesus and to call them and say, hey, listen, there's a servant that needs healed. And listen, uh, there was a simple faith. The Bible would define faith in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 1. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Somebody said, well, what does that mean? And, and uh, it would be well defined by a, a young teenage boy that would go to the mirror every day and would look and say, I think there's a little fuzz there. I think I'm, gonna, I'm starting to be a man. It's the substance of things hoped for, a little hair on the face, but the evidence of things not seen, there's nothing there even though he's looking. And, and that's faith saying, well, I know it's going to come and, and trusting God. And, and certainly uh, this man had great faith because, listen, he wasn't asking God to come to his house. He wasn't asking God for a great show. He wasn't asking God to come to perform a mighty miracle. But he said, listen, I, I'm not even requiring that you come to my house. You just say the word and I know know that it will take place. That's great faith. That's spectacular faith. That's what Jesus said. Jesus praised his faith. Jesus was the one that said, this man had great faith. And listen, he believed the word of God. In verse number 7, at the end of it, he says, but say in a word and my servant shall be healed. It amazes me. Jesus, the, the, the centurion rather, he did not go. I was reading, there's several, there's two accounts of this, uh, this, this story that took place here in Luke chapter number 7 and then in the Gospel of Matthew chapter number 8 as well. And the Gospel of Matthew doesn't have all the details of the friends going, the Jewish friends going first and talking to him. And, and then later as they got closer to his house, I kind of want you to picture with me what was taking place at, as these Jewish friends went out to get Jesus and 
they were talking to him and, and said, hey, we want you to come to his house. I, I think they had a lot of ambition and a lot of gumption and said, hey, you know, this is a great man. And, and listen, he built for us a synagogue and you won't find a more worthy person. And, and they were the ones that saying, hey, Jesus, you've got to come see this man and you've got to come heal his servant. Uh, and they kind of put a lot of things. And, and when, when the centurion hears word that, hey, Jesus is coming to his house, or maybe he looked out and saw uh, the Bible says in, in our text here in Luke that he sent some, some servants of his out to say, listen, whoa, 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 hey, he doesn't want you to come to his house. He doesn't feel worthy of you entering his house. But you just say the word and his servant will be healed. What an incredible illustration of the faith of this man that really helps us see and understand his heart uh, that he believed the Word of God, and he believed that, hey, if Jesus, being the, 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 the physical Word of God, would just merely speak the Word, that his servant would be healed. He didn't need him to come and touch him. He didn't need him to come and look at him. He didn't need him uh, to do anything like that. But just simply say the Word. What an incredible faith that this man had. And his simple, childlike belief. I'm reminded of the verse that I believe is probably one of the saddest verses in the New Testament in Matthew chapter number 13. And you can note it down. You can turn back there. Save your spot in Luke. We'll be back here. But turn with me to Matthew chapter number 13. And I want you to see this verse. I know we've looked at it before, but Matthew chapter number 13, in the very last verse of this chapter. And, and in my opinion, this is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. Matthew chapter number 13 and verse number 58. And it's talking about Jesus. And it says this about where he was. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. That's sad. That tells me that, that Jesus was willing to do works and that Jesus was willing to heal and Jesus was willing to work with those people and Jesus was willing to help. And, and the fact is that, that He was hindered not because He was not able and not because He did not have the power, not because He did not have the strength, but rather because the unbelief of those people, nothing was done. And you contrast that with this centurion who had childlike faith and said, Jesus, you just say the word and my servant will be healed. What a tremendous faith. What a great example of simple belief. We see that he saw the greatness of God. We see that he, uh, uh, that he had simple belief and faith in Jesus Christ. But I want you to see as well that, uh, that this was a selfless act. I find that the most interesting, to be honest with you. Here's the centurion. He's a powerful man. He has a hundred soldiers underneath of him, and it seems like he had quite a bit of influence and was able to send people here and there and command people, but yet, yet he, didn't, uh, he didn't take himself as somebody that was, uh, that was so great. And, and we find that he was a very selfless man and that he looked at his servant and he saw his servant's need and he said, listen, uh, why don't we get Jesus to heal this man? That's selflessness. How much time do we spend in prayer for ourselves? Listen, it's not, I need prayer. I'm not saying don't pray for yourself. But how many times are we so busy praying ourselves for ourselves and for our needs that, for, let me rephrase that, and for our needs 
God, I want a new red sports car, five-speed on the floor. I need it. We pray for ourselves. We pray for this and we pray for that. But how much time do we really spend in prayer for other people? This centurion, he wasn't asking for himself. He saw that servant. He saw the needs of that servant. I don't know, maybe he knew their family and he said, man, I don't want to see that guy. I don't want to see their family without their dad. I don't want to see this guy pass away. And, and he was concerned. And, and listen, there was a great deal of selflessness in this man's request and in this man's faith. He was not even asking anything for himself, but rather he was asking for other people. And listen, as we see this selfless, selflessness, we see what a tremendous example. But we also see his humility and his humbleness and his selfless attributes. He was a man, as I pointed out, in a position of authority, and he didn't, and he did assume command of other people. Uh, but this man had loyal friends, as I've noted, and, and these Jewish people who were good friends with this man went, and man, they were praising him and they saying, "Listen, this is a good man. There's no man more worthy than this man uh, that that you would go and heal his servant." And and uh, as they they were bringing Jesus, then the centurion sends his servants and said, "Listen, Jesus doesn't need to come to our house." Uh, and, and heal this man, but just by saying the word. And reading through this and reading through the Gospel of Matthew several times in chapter number 8, and go with me to, to Matthew chapter number 8. Save your spot there in Luke chapter 7 as we'll be back there. But in Matthew chapter number 8, And verse number 13, it's, it's really verses 5 through 10, and then verse number 13 as well is the entire story that, that is contained in those verses. But look with me at verse number 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. We find in Matthew chapter 8, it seems like, uh, in verse number 13 especially, that finally the centurion himself went to where Jesus was, and Jesus physically told him, Go thy way, uh, and be it unto thy faith as thou, as thou hast asked. In other words, he's saying, listen, as you have asked, it'll be done. But we find the centurion there. First he sent his friends, the Jewish elders. Next he sent his servants as they got close. And it seems to me as we lead, I mean, not all the details are given real clearly for us, but it seems to me like the centurion himself went and, and, and actually went to Jesus and talked with him and said, listen, I, I'm not worthy that you would come to my house. I, I, my friends came and they've asked you and I sent my servants to tell you that really I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. And, and, and then he goes himself and he says, I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. Not that I don't want to have you or not that I uh, wouldn't like to see you or be in your presence, but that I just don't feel worthy of you coming to my house. And we find that this man was a humble man, even though he was a man in a position of authority. What a great example of his selflessness, his humility. We find in verse number 9, back in our text in Luke chapter 7, that Jesus publicly praised him 
for his faith. And told all the, all the people that were around him, all this crowd, the Jewish friends, his servants, the crowd that had gathered, what's going on? Oh, let's go see Jesus. Let's follow this crowd and see what's going on. And Jesus publicly turned around and told the entire crowd that was there and said, hey, I have not found faith so great as in this man right here. No, not in all of Israel. And Jesus publicly praised him for his faith. And we find that this man's servant was healed. Just three things that our great faith. One, seeing Jesus for who he is. And how good God truly is. Then secondly, simple belief. Trusting Jesus Christ in simple faith. So many times, we think faith is so, these great, wonderful things. There was nothing great in this story, but just simple belief that said, you say the word and it'll be done. And then selflessness. Just asking for somebody else and saying, God, not on my behalf, but on this other person's behalf. Will you intervene? Will you work? Will you help? And Jesus said, that is great faith. That is something that he would call out and say, that is great faith. What about our faith this morning? What kind of faith, if, if we were there and and Jesus was talking directly to us, what kind of faith would he say that we have? May we not be discouraged, but may we be encouraged to say, man, may I see God for who he is. May I have simple belief as this man believed. Put all, put all your logic to the side. You know why I think that Jesus said simple childlike faith? A child doesn't, Think with all the logic. Throws it all out and says, you know what? God said it and I believe it. That's that. This man said, you know what? I'm not worried about all the other logistics and all the other stuff. If God says it, he can do it. And he can heal this man. Simple faith. Then selflessness. Saying, God, it's not for me. It's for somebody else. Will you help? Will you intervene with every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet this morning? Great faith. What, a, what an example of great faith found in Scripture. Father, I pray as we look at these things that you'd help us to see truly how great you are. God, you're able if there's one thing I know, it's that you're able. You created everything that we see, everything that exists on this earth. And God, that alone tells me there's nothing that you cannot do. God, we look at example after example after example in the scripture of your power, your might, your ability to work in the smallest detail of every person's life. God, we know that you're able. It's clearly shown throughout the word of God, but help us to have that simple belief 
to lay aside all our logic, to lay aside our thoughts, and to say, God, I trust in you. Simple belief. And then, Father, a third thing, the selflessness. God, so many times we ask for ourselves. Help us to ask for others. Help us to be concerned about the lives of others. And to intercede in prayer. As this centurion did for his servant. God, I pray that you'd move and work on hearts as only you can. Help us to have our faith increased. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Great faith. Jesus said, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Simple belief, seeing the Lord for who he is. Selflessness, three qualities. to a